0: Days five hot takes, yeah! Okay, so we're back on this fun little snippet where we're, we're, we're going to talk about five of John's songs um, that I love. And um, I want to talk, okay, John, so I want to talk about, uh, first, let's talk about human. You
1: say the word human, and I'm immediately transported back to my hotel room in uh, West Hollywood, California. Okay. Where a tall, strikingly handsome man with a voice of an angel named Kevin Griffin i know this man uh knocks on my hotel door he comes in he's got a little you know recording rig and he had this little hook um that was the uh the little like you know this part he had like a little drum beat you know for it and it was one of the it was probably the Maybe the first, one of the first co-writing sessions that I loved. Because I knew him, I mm. loved his band, Better Than Ezra, I loved his music, and I thought it was cool that we were writing together, and he came in and he had this great little hook, and we wrote it really quickly, and you know, I love that it meant something and said something, um, so yeah. There were a Thanks, few Kevin. songs,
0: which we'll keep, referencing, but on that Indiana record that I remember hearing thinking, God, dog it. That's a good song. And that was mm, that was you. one of those. And it was funny because you know, I know Kevin pretty well, and I didn't know that he wrote it with you until like a year or two ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know yeah. that. Uh, okay. Two, um, Blue Skies. Now this one, yeah. I need to give a little context. To this. Blue okay. Skies was on, I think, your your Orange House Records. We talked about you being in Indiana, or at Anderson in Indiana yeah. at your college. Yeah. It was the, y'all's record label, the college mm. record label. And I remember Mango, Matt Mangano now, who plays with the Zach Brown band bass oh, that's player right. with me. He's one of my dearest friends. He played with me for four years on the road, four or five years. And he, played, he was like, dude, listen to this song I just played on for John. And I was like, I could listen to this, this song a thousand times in a row. Uh-huh.
1: You know, it's funny because at, at AU, uh, I was taking a songwriting class. And we met once a week. And I was on my way to my songwriting class and had like... 20 minutes or something and we we literally one I was in a practice room and one of the guys in the class popped in and he was like hey dude wh- what's your song that you're going to bring today and I was like what do you mean and he's like you know we had to write a song for today like that's our assignment and I had nothing and so I wrote blue skies in about 10 minutes which is not hard to believe because if you if you read those lyrics they make absolutely no sense <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but it's oh my god so hooky but it has all of the magic of a song that you don't overthink
1: totally it has like it, all it's the a song things. that i would i would never write it now for yeah. better or for worse i would never write it now but but then at you know 20 i'm like Well, i'm not overthinking this it's just that feels good to say what does that mean john what do you mean what does it mean exactly nothing it means exactly, <laughs> exactly what you think it means. Okay, what about
0: Without You Now? I was reminded last week I listened to to that record again, which is not Promise and Promises, right? Yep. And um, I was like, this is a great hook.
1: This hmm, is like a you. bulletproof pop hook. So I wrote that song in the midst of a really tumultuous time between my record label and myself. My A&R guy had just been let go. I got a new A&R guy. So I was just getting to know the new A&R guy that Island Def Jam was going through a ton of changes. And I was basically, I spent a year and a half off the road, trying to write a song, a song that would get my record label excited. And so I I don't think I've ever had a time in my life where I have written as much as I wrote during that time. This was before I had kids, we were living out in California. I was probably staying up all night maybe every other every third night I Good wouldn't sleep. Night. Wow. I was just staying up all night writing and this Without You Now was the first song uh I'd probably sent the, my A&R guy 30 songs before that. This was the first song where I remember he wrote me back and he was like well done. That's a radio. Wow. Ride. Wow. And it went on to um to go on my record.
0: Yeah, to be a be a album hit. <laughs> which, I mean, and I'll say this quickly to people who are listening, that, that, that thing that John is talking about is a very real, if there's one of the sort of like dark underbelly things that is hard about being on a label, it is your relationship with your A&R person, which is basically they're yeah. the people that are kind of overseeing your record making, collecting songs for it, you're writing songs for it, how they sound on the record, because they're sort of responsible for your record. So they yeah. kind of take your record into the rest of the uh, the the record company and they go, Hey, this is what we produce together. So here it is. And mm-hmm. so you can have these just knockdown dragouts drag outs where they're like, we don't think you've got good songs yet, or we need you to start writing right now or, you know, and so they can be really ugly affairs sometimes and cause the oh, yeah. kind of, you know, anxiety that, that you're talking about.
1: Well, and you can, you can, you know, stay up all night working on a, a song that you get really excited about and then you finish that lyric and it's done and you send it off and then you flippantly get an email back being like, ah, it's okay. What else you got? And you're like, oh, gosh, I'm, I didn't I'm sleep sweating blood after, yeah. after writing that song, yeah. you know, and now yeah. it's just dead in the water. Yeah. You know? So it's um, a really tough thing. It's such a good song. Another one
0: like that to me is lost. I remember you, I remember where you were when you played that for me, we were in um, Napa Valley. And you mm-hmm. were playing me songs. We're out playing live in the vineyard there, a really cool event. And uh and you were like, Let me play you some new stuff. And I remember hearing that hook, and I was like, That's one of the most bulletproof hooks that I may have ever heard. Mm. And and um thank you. I love that song.
1: I wrote that song when we were we were in Australia visiting some friends. So we were we were there for like a month, and I had brought this tiny little MIDI keyboard um that's like you know one octave like you can barely play anything on it and our friends that we went to to visit they were listening to bleachers a lot it's jack antonoff's yeah band. yeah yeah so it was during this time where i was on vacation so it's like a different a different setting i'm in a vacation mindset i'm just out of my environment in a good way and i'm listening to jack antonoff and bleachers and if you listen to that song lost I, in my mind, Jack Antonoff is singing that song always. Wow. And it sounds like a hook that Jack would write that I normally wouldn't write that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to live without you. Like it just keeps, I wouldn't, I wouldn't repeat it Yeah, that many times, but I feel like listening to Bleachers gave me that license to be, yes, it's like, that, that, really well just said. all about the hook yeah. of it. Yeah. Know? So, so, and then finally, and this is my, you know, you know this, and I've
0: told you many times, this is my favorite John McLaughlin song. And this is one of those songs that to me, even if I didn't know you, I would still feel this way because it's, I just don't understand how you wrote it. And I've asked you a million times, like, how in the world did you come up with this song? And those are the, those are my, those are songs to me that are like these kind of like they're statues. They're like pillars that I just, I look at and I'm like, I, one of the reasons that I love this song is because I don't understand how it came to be. Like, I don't see the in, I don't see how you got in. I don't see the door to enter this thing or how you got, you know, which is Indiana. And I remember hearing Indiana when you put out, I remember buying, going to buy on the record, which is, which was really funny. I was like, I know this guy. And, um, and hearing that song and just feeling like, wait, hold on. What? Like, let's it again. And being like, that's the song is incredible. It's perfect. It's like, it's got everything I like about music in it. And it's so insanely well-written. Everything about it is so incredible. It's beautiful imagery. It's beautiful playing. The melody's gorgeous. And it was that thing where I was like, I know the guy that wrote this song. And that makes me feel weird because I feel like this is a song that should be written by like Randy Newman or somebody that you just mm-hmm. kind of go, well, yeah, I mean, that's, he's a genius. He wrote a genius song, but it just messed me up. Cause I was like, no, like John wrote this. How did he write this? And I still feel that way when you play it. I'm like, I don't understand how this came to be.
1: I love that song. Thank you. I I wrote that. Um, I first had the hook for it. The the like piano part. The and to me that was a Christmas song. And I'd never written a Christmas song before, but I just had that little hook. And maybe it was Christmas time when I came up with that. I don't remember, but I just thought, ooh, that sounds Christmassy to me. So I'm going to try to write a Christmas song around that. Um, And I couldn't come up with anything good. And then I was out in California um, on my very first writing trip uh, that the label had sent me on. I was by myself, it was not going well. I I I didn't know how to co-write with people. I'd never done it before. I'd barely started writing songs. And it just, you know, you know how this goes. You you I would show up to a someone's studio. It's like Platinum Records all over the wall, so obviously they know what they're doing and they would start some track. They're like, hey, "Yo, how about something like this?" And it's like what? <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know." And then, you know, a couple hours later, we would have a song that I would sing that I, I hated, and this would happen every day. And I called my A&R guy and told him, like, this is not going well. I don't like any of these songs that are being written. It just doesn't feel like me. And, um, you know, can I, can I just go back to Indiana and I'll, I'll just write the record on my own in Indiana? And long story short, he was like, no. You got to finish the. You know, we have all these co-rides set up. You know, for the next three weeks, just tough it out. You know, and so I went over to my one friend, a college roommate of mine who moved out to LA. I knew one guy in LA. I went over to his house, and I mean, I was like in an emotional Mm -hmm. low that only like a twenty-four-year-old can can get to quickly. You can just instantly go way low, like my whole world is falling apart. Ironically, this is, this is the thing that I have dreamt of. Like I, I had never been out to LA by myself. There was Mm. so many things happening on this one trip that were like bucket list Mm. mile marker things. And it, and I was miserable. And so I was sitting on his porch and this sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. Like I was thinking, well, music is not going to work out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he had this, cheap little uh like red acoustic guitar and we're gonna go to dinner and i'm sitting on his porch and i start playing uh these chords and i just wrote that song and it and i wrote it in la at the time so like the the mountains and the water in the song is la where i was Mm. the city is new york where i was you know where the label was and i just wanted to sort of pretend like i could go back to indiana and with sort of my tail between my legs and what am i going to say to everybody like what what am i going to say to all these people that i've grown up with and they've been hearing for years and years how i'm going to be a musician and then i'm going to go back and be like i'm just kidding uh you know that wasn't that big of a deal to me i'm not going to do it Mm -hmm. and um so that the girl in the song is is my dream of being a musician mm-hmm. and when I finally when I got to a piano um, I took that little hook and put it over top of it and kind of you know colored up the the chords a little bit and it just it's one of those songs that just kind of like I was just taking one step you know one foot in front of the other and you just have this song you know and I wish that I could do that every day. <laughs> God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's so. I think hearing it, it's so obvious that you were really feeling something. You know what I mean? It's not. It doesn't feel manufactured at all. Like I hear that song, and I'm like, yes, you can tell John is like dealing with some things in this. Yeah, Um, yeah. But God, it's such a beautiful song. And I think, you you. know, that that you know, just again, I think, I think it. it, You know, one of the hardest things about writing with other people as an artist, and there's other tricks when you're not the artist and you got helping the artist in the room, which you know we've both done, is. You know, it's really hard to find people that, you know, uh, get your vision, who know you and Because, you know, when you're writing professional songwriters, they're writing with somebody every day. So they don't yep. have time to do the deep dive on John McLaughlin or Dave Barnes and figure out like, oh, OK, you know, I've heard your stuff. And if they do, it's it's rare that they're right about it. They're like because they're right. listening to past versions of you. Right, and they're going, oh, he's done this. Well, he'll probably do this again. Or this is kind of his vibe. And so it's just, it's really, really, really vulnerable and super duper heartbreaking and frustrating. Because yeah. you walk in and you're like, I've got to sort of bear my soul to this guy or girl. It's, it's in my opinion, it's very rare you feel like they genuinely care about you at all. You know, they're just trying to kind of get the best song because they know you're on Island Def Jam and you got all this hype. Well, and they, well, and they
1: know the that... You want something as an artist, and they also know that Island Def Jam wants something. That's right. Rarely are you wanting the same things.
0: Yeah, and and and, you know, and the last thing I'll say too is it's it's really tricky because most of those people are successful because they do a thing. And, and it's not, they're not necessarily trying to write the next John McLaughlin song. They're trying to have you write that thing with them that you add a little spice to. And that's fine. It's super effective, but it can be so lonely and heartbreaking to your point. And that's, but the beauty of those moments is like with you, you can have Indiana come out of that pain, but man, it's so, uh, some of the darkest moments of my life genuinely have been moments like that where you kind of walk out of a right and you're just like, It's so hopeless. You're just like, what am I doing? This hit writer, we couldn't write a hit and he wasn't, he or she wasn't listening to me. Or they, I don't, I just, it feels dirty. It feels a little sort of prostituted in some ways because you're just kind of like,
1: you know, okay, that was
0: high five. See you later, I guess. I don't know. And 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 it doesn't
1: make sense that it's so extreme, that it's so, that's right. The the feelings are so intense. Yeah. Cause you step back and you look at it and you're like, dude, you're just writing a song like <laughs> chill out. You were in there for three hours. Like how bad can it be? But yeah. it's like music. You can't, you can't mess around with music and not yeah. get emotions involved. Yeah. And it, especially if you too, can, then you're doing it wrong. That's right. And I think too,
0: when you're in that season where you're beginning your career, cause you're trying to set up who you are yeah. to the world. Yeah. And then you've got a guy that's like, you know, I was listening to the latest, you know, radio hit. You th- and you're like, Oh no, 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 no. You know, or like Miley Cyrus has been doing this thing we wrote the other day and, you know, you hear the-. and you're wanna hear you like, okay, that's all great. But right, no, like, have you, do you, you know, and then you got to do your elevator sit pitch with, or- well, tell me about, okay, we'll play something. Okay. And, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Well, Hey, what I had this, you know, and sometimes it's great. And you do have songs like human that come out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you, man, just the heartache and, sitting in your hotel room that night going like that's it like that's I, it's I'm over gonna, i'm gonna finally be a youth <laughs> youth director i always thought that would be my youth pastor <laughs> um well dude thanks for doing this again
1: I thank really you for having it. me
0: love these songs thanks man days five hot takes yeah